It is a good day to be in church. Yes. Finally, we are learning. It is awesome to be here, man. Those of you joining online for the first time, we're so glad you're here. If you're here in person for the first time, we're glad you're here as well. We had an amazing first service. It's our second service, but I want to welcome a very special group, our second campus people at our Branchville Correctional Facility. Guys, can we give our hand, welcome them as they're joining us online this morning. Awesome, guys. We're so glad you're there and being a part of it. We have been talking over the last four weeks about making change, making small changes every day that pile up and add up to lifelong changes in your life that make things great. Now, everybody say 65. 65 is a number you need to kind of burn into your head today because we are 65 Sundays away from moving into our own building. Yes. So I know that we're back in a different space. We're going to put out more chairs next week. That way you can invite more people. My vision is to tear down that wall and fill this place up before we even get to our next building. And we can do that. We've got that room there. As we talk about these things, we started off with less is more, okay, better one handful of peace, okay, than two handfuls with hard work or chasing after the wind. Then the second week, okay, Dave talked about stress is bad. Specifically, financial stress is bad. The week three, last week I talked about giving is good. It is more blessed to give than it is to receive, all right? Today, we're going to be talking about tomorrow matters. And if tomorrow matters, we need to make changes today that affect our tomorrow. Now, many of us, all right, we get a little nervous about the future and future planning. I spent 15 years as a youth pastor, all right, before this. That's a lot of time with high schoolers, okay? Most people only have to do four years of their life. I did 15 with high schoolers. Let me be honest with you, okay? Many of you are worried about the future as a somewhat expert of dealing with high schoolers, we are in good hands for the future. You might not feel that way right now. You're, nobody does except for me. You're very pessimistic. You're like, I don't know. Have you met some of them? Yes, I have. Let me give you a little preview of what that looks like. Okay, Pastor Chris is not in here. He was just in here. Pastor Chris, when I met him, he was in my youth ministry. He was 13 years old. Now he's here in Indiana preaching to your children, right? He's leading your way. His wife's sitting right there, okay? Gio, our head of production, he was 18 years old when I met him, okay? He traveled to Indiana. He now leads everything you see here. He's around here somewhere doing things for Jesus. So the church is in good hands in the future. You just have to plan for it. And that's where we struggle. That's where we struggle a little bit is in the planning phase, all right? However, the generations, the next two down, it's a little worrisome because what I think about, what I get nervous about, okay, is they have a desire for instant gratification. They don't want to wait for anything. They don't appreciate waiting for anything. For example, if they send a text, somehow that when they send it, 
It's sent as if it is urgent. Everything they just said must be replied to in the next two minutes or their world is going to fall apart. Let me help you out, younger folks, okay? Back in the day, you couldn't hear from your friends for days, and you didn't assume they were dead. They just assumed they were grounded. Okay? How many of you remember Sears catalogs? When you ordered something from Sears, you didn't know when it was coming. Sears didn't tell you, like, it'll be there, you know, in a week. It might get there seven years later. You were just proud of Sears. They kept their commitment. You mailed in a check. What's that, you say? That's something different. You mailed in a check, and then they sent you a T-shirt seven years later. But now we live in a day in a culture on Amazon that if it's not at my house in two days, I'm burning the place down. How many of you will skip over something if it doesn't have prime? Be honest. You're like, I'm not buying that. I'm not. I'm not waiting those 72 hours. That's for, that's for people who have all this extra time on their hands. Okay? Or think about this. When you're watching Netflix and it starts to buffer, and you're just like, that's it. I'm not watching that. I can't believe this. I had to wait 14 seconds for the video to load. Some of you will never appreciate what it was like my kids struggle in this area because my kids will play video games and they're like, Dad, our internet's slow. They had to wait like four seconds, okay, for a game that's like 55 gigs to load. They'll never understand the frustration of having to blow on a Nintendo disc. (laughs) (sighs) (sighs) Come on, big money, putting it in. And nothing. They won't know that. Right? They won't know those things. They won't understand those frustrations because they're used to, they've been programmed to instant gratification. The problem is it's not just young people anymore. The next generation, our generation is falling for that too. We want instant gratification and we won't wait to get what we want. And if the future matters, then we need to start planning today in order to get to the future. Right? CNN did a poll, and it had 76% of Americans live paycheck to paycheck. So if you look down the row of working parents or people, all right, three of them live paycheck to paycheck. That means if they don't get paid next week, there's no way to pay the bills, no money coming in. That's how most people live. There is no planning for the future. They live paycheck to paycheck right? And this is not something, this is a new idea in our culture, not an old one. Some of you, your grandparents live in the same house. They never moved once. They never thought about upgrading from the day they moved in. And what was surprising is they left you something. You're like grandma who didn't have two nickels to put together. She dies and she had hundreds of thousands of dollars and never spent among you. And you're like, Grandma, where'd you get all this money? It's something crazy called saving for the future. 
thinking ahead for the future, planning ahead. Now, don't get me wrong. There are single parents, okay? There are people that have to live paycheck to paycheck, okay? They get put in a situation that is not easy, okay? I'm not saying that there's, that there's not a valid reason for that, but for most of us, that is not the case. That is not how we have to live. We choose to live that way because we want now. We're buying things to impress people we don't know, Right? We will go pay $50 for a meal. And you're like, that's not too bad. Okay, I just want to go back in time a little bit, okay, with every one of you. Just talk to your grandmother. Just sit down with grandma and be like, grandma, I just paid $50 for a steak. She'd be like, back in my day, $50 was a house payment. She wouldn't dare spend $50. And you're like, well, I don't know about that. Tomorrow matters. So I want to read you this. When we recognize that tomorrow matters, what will we do? It will change the way we live today. When we recognize that tomorrow matters, it will change the way we handle money today. When we recognize tomorrow matters, it will change the way we make choices to spend our time and our energy. Many of us have like a future planned in our head of what that looks like. Maybe yours looks like a famous painting and everybody's just happy and, you know, you've got the perfect fireplace going and everybody's smiling around the table. Maybe some of you, your future's like, I'm going to be have a yacht, I'm going to be on the beach, I'm going to play golf every day, okay? Those people who actually get to do those things, you know that they spent a lot of time planning that, right? They didn't just stumble on it. Of the hundreds of people that have won the lottery, 90% of them are broke within five years. The biggest lottery winner of all time that got to take home one lump sum of $320 million was broke in four years. Because it's not about how much, it's about knowledge. It's about what to do, how to handle yourself, investing for tomorrow. He ran out of money because he didn't have a future plan. So in order to achieve that, your actions matter today. What you do today matters in order to have a future that you want. All right, so if you have your Bible, turn with me to Matthew chapter 25. If you don't have a Bible, invest in your future, get a Bible so that you can become a better Christian. Plan today. Start with your Bible. Be like, well, I have a phone. Download the app. Today, keep up with it. In Matthew chapter 25, Jesus is telling a parable about a master with three servants, and he's telling the parable of the talents. Now, talents is just a sum of money. Okay, it's just a marked amount of money. And so he's got three servants. The first servant he gives five bags of gold or talents to and sends them off. The second service servant, he has two bags that he gives to, and the third servant, he gives one bag. So a few weeks goes by, they come back, right? And the first guy brings back, he had five, he brings back ten bags. The second guy who had two, he brings back four. And the last bag, the last guy says, I had one bag. He's like, but Lord, I wanted to keep it safe for you, so I buried it and I brought it back to you. And we pick up in verse 25, verse 23, it says this, and his master replied, they've all brought back their stuff, well done, good and faithful servant. Well done, good and faithful servant. How many of you have ever heard that in context of heaven? 
Like you want to hear those words from Jesus, well done, good and faithful servant. That's where this comes from. And here's what it goes on to say. You have been faithful with a few things. How many? A few things, little, little bits of things, not a lot, just a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share in your master's happiness. Whoever is faithful with a little will be given more, okay? But those, in order to be well and good servants, they had to multiply what Jesus already gave them. So that some way, some form, they had to invest it. Okay, I want to make this very clear. I'm not talking about the church's money today. I'm talking about your money. I'm talking about your future, not the church's future, your future. What to do with your own life, to plan your life well so that you grow and that you succeed and that you flourish. Now, Jesus gets back, and in the story, the servant comes back with the one bag, and here's what his master says to him. Get away from me, you lazy and wicked servant. Get away from me, you lazy and wicked servant. Jesus is telling this story. In the story, he is the master. These are the servants. Everything I've given you belongs to me, but you are to steward what I give you. What I give you, you're supposed to watch over and make it grow. That's your job. How many of you believe that God owns everything? And that you are to steward that. Your job is to take what God gives you and make it grow. Right? But if it doesn't grow, what does the Bible say? I don't know if you catch on to the Bible. When it calls you wicked and lazy, those are not good compliments. Jesus like, I saved it, I kept it. And he's like, no, don't do that. You're supposed to be a steward. A steward is someone who is responsible to manage or take care of something that isn't theirs but they're in charge of handling it well. Since God is the owner of everything, we are stewards who have been put in charge of managing everything he has placed in our care. Being a good steward is a principle that doesn't just apply to money. It applies to character, your job, your resources, your time, your energy, your integrity, the way you deal with people. All of that stuff is part of your resource, and God is going, you're supposed to invest it, manage it well for yourself. That way, when you get older, okay, you can actually see the fruits of your labor. You don't have a meaningless life. So here we go. We're talking about money, your money, not the church's money. Don't go home today and be like, Daryl talked about money two weeks in a row. No, I don't want you to be poor when you're older. How many of you know somebody who has worked their entire life and doesn't have two dimes left? Right? And many young people and older people like our culture has shifted to I have to have it now. You're buying things you don't need. Therefore, you will not have things in the future that you want, like basic stuff, like a house to live in. Why? Because we're buying things we don't need, and so we have to get into the idea that our investments matter. What we do with our money today matters. Now, how many of you believe that prayer and faith are important? Awesome. Majority rules. Awesome. Love it. Okay. The Bible mentions faith and prayer 500 times. There are 500 verses on faith and prayer. About money, the Bible mentions it 2,300 times. 
So four times the amount it brings up faith and prayer, it talks about money. Why? Because we know this, where our treasure is, there our heart is also. But Jesus is like, in order for you to go well, you have to know how to steward what you've been given, your resource. If you don't steward it well, it's not going to end well for you. In Ecclesiastes chapter 5, verse 10, it says, whoever loves money will never have enough. Whoever loves wealth is never satisfied with their income. This, too, is meaningless. This is coming from the richest man in known history, King Solomon. He's like, I've had all the money in the world, and it's meaningless. Why? Because he had no plan for the future. It was all about what he could have now. Therefore, when he didn't get enough, it didn't make him happy. Money is a resource, but it's not your source. Let me repeat that. Money is your resource, but it's not what you depend on for life. Right? We depend on Jesus, but money is a tool that he gives us to use properly. We have a culture right now in America that gets mad at rich people. We are mad or angry or despise them. Like, how dare they? Now, I'm sure there are people who have done things with dishonest gain. I get that. Okay, but you can't get mad at somebody who has invested and done things properly. Why? Because that gives a resource. It is easier to bless somebody when you have something than when you have nothing. Have you ever wanted to give and help somebody, but you were in a position where you couldn't? You wanted to help, but you couldn't. Why? Because you failed to plan for the future by taking care of what you wanted today. And today is the enemy of your best future. You need to learn how to invest. In Proverbs chapter 13, verse 11 says, Dishonest money dwindles away, but whoever gathers money little by little makes it grow. Right? It has to grow over time. In Darren Henry's book, The Compound Effect, it says this, 90% of people will choose a million dollars today over one penny doubled down every day for 30 days. They will choose a million dollars today. And most of you are like, yeah, that sounds like a good deal. Except for at the end of it, it would be $5.3 million. One penny doubled down for 30 days. Why? Because time, I want you to sear this in your head, okay? Here's a little formula to help you understand how it works. Money plus consistency plus time equals wealth. You need all three. You need to be consistent, no matter the amount, be consistent and give it time to grow, and it will, in turn, work for you. How do I know this? Because this is what banks do. They buy you the house today and say, over the next 30 years, you can pay me back, right? And you sit there and you look at the price of the house. Your house cost you $150,000. They got $450,000 back just by waiting 30 years. That's a good investment. If I had it, I would be a loan shark. Notice the banks buy nothing. They give you money to buy stuff. They don't buy anything. They have no investments. You are the investor. They're like, oh, no, no, I play it safe with my money. I'm the bank. I have to be safe. If there were money to be had by buying things, they would do it. In Ecclesiastes chapter 11, verse 2, it says, But divide your investments among many places, for you do not know the risk might lie ahead. We're going to pay the light bill. That just went out on this half of the stage. I don't know what happened there. 
But divide your investments among many places, for you do not know what risk lie ahead. What does that sound like? Diversify your investments. That sounds like something you would hear at a conference. That was in the Bible 2,000 plus years ago. Diversify. Why? Because Jesus wants you to be happy, but he has you to go, I need to be consistent plus time. All right, some of you, it's a simple formula. You've heard it a million times. You just don't apply it. 10% goes to the church. 10% goes to the savings. Live on 80%. If you would just do that long enough, you wouldn't have to worry about all the things. How many of you are freaking out about retiring? You're like, I have no idea how I'm going to retire. You know when most people ask themselves the question the first time? When they're 25. You know the first time most people actually do something about it? When they're 61. And they're like, I just need to make $5 million in four years. I'll, I'll just live off that, you know. And you can go to the best investor in the world, and they're like, I don't, if I could do that, I wouldn't need a job. And they're like, you wouldn't do it. So time, time, time. Consider it, man. You make a plan today. Sit down with your spouse. Make a plan for your future so that you don't end up living like today. You don't want to stay where you're at, but don't buy things you don't need. Invest in your future. And again, I'm not talking about the church's money. I'm not asking you to give me anything. I'm asking you to invest in yourself long term. Why? So that you don't need anybody else's help in the future. But if you don't start today, you will need somebody in the future. And the borrower is always slave to the lender, so learn to invest in yourself. Right? The second thing you have to do is invest in your family. If you don't start investing in your children when they're this big, okay, when they're this big, they don't know who you are and they don't want to hang out with you. Some people's relational problems is relational equity. They have none. They haven't spent time with their children. They were working so much they didn't put, they didn't make their family a priority. And they struggle with it. And it says this in Proverbs chapter 24, by wisdom a house is built and through understanding it is established. Through knowledge its rooms are filled with rare and beautiful treasures. How many of you would like something rare or beautiful? I love those shows that have the random stuff on it that's worth like 10 bazillion dollars. They're like, this is a rock. They're like, yeah, it's worth 10 bazillion dollars. I'm like, Yes. But the thing is, that's not what it's talking about. It's not talking about a treasure. It's talking about your family. Those rare and beautiful treasures are your family. You have to invest in them. Men, you need to invest in your spouse. Spouses, you need to invest into your men, not just in the bedroom, but also in the bedroom. You have to make these investments. These are things that must happen. You're like, Daryl, I don't know. I don't like you talking about that. That's okay. We have a whole series about sex coming up in February. I consider myself an expert. If you don't invest into it, it will not grow. Most marital problems start because you forgot why you got married to begin with. You actually like them. So when people sit in front of me, I'm like, you do realize that at some point this was your best friend. You wanted to live forever with them. Now you want them to die. You have not invested well. 
but you have to be present. Let me tell you something about your kids. Let me tell you a story that happened to me, God's honest truth, okay? When I was a kid, my mom bought a conversion van. It was all the rage. Extra six inches of height, and they put everything a house had in it. Okay, and I'm an 80s kid. We didn't have rules about how many people could be in a car, and there were no seatbelts, okay? I don't know where that ever came from. Kind of caught me off guard in the 90s. What do you mean there's only like four women? <laughs> a van held as many family members that could fit until the door shut. Station wagons had 35 children in them, okay, and a sleeping rack on the back. So I don't know what this is all about. So they took me on a vacation, and we went from Orlando down to Florida. Keys about an eight-hour drive, and there's nine of us in a conversion van, no seatbelts, running around having the time of our lives. We get to the Keys. We've got no plan. My parents have not planned anything out, but we're on vacation. My dad had fallen asleep on the door lock. Okay, his knee was against it. It was going clack, 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 clack. My mom is driving. She's losing her mind. She tells my stepbrother, if you do not stop, I am going to knock you out. Cluck, 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 My mom turns and, I mean, smacks him silly. And he's like, I didn't do anything. And my dad, like, wakes up. He's like, what's going on? Why is he screaming? And he had fallen asleep on the lock. And my mom's like, oh, it was you. So she's hitting him. And I'm like, oh, man, this is awesome. Then we get to the keys, and there was nine of us, and she bought two snorkeling kits. And we pulled over to the side of the road, and she's like, jump in. We're just on the middle of the highway, and we're jumping in right here. This is the experience we're getting. And we jump in, and we're having to some time, and we have to rotate, and we're eating like little sandwiches that don't make any sense. And she goes, she's like, you want to go fishing? She goes and buys squid. I dumped squid all over the conversion van. Smelled hideous in the Florida sun. But I promise you this, being 42 years old, I would give anything to go back to that moment. For somebody to, you don't get time with your mom again. You don't get time with your dad again. I don't get time with my brothers like that again. Why? Because it's just gone, and you don't know until it's gone. You don't know. It's, you've got to invest in it. You're like, oh, I need money. I need that. No, you don't. You need to do it. You need to start now. Invest in your family. Invest in them. Proverbs chapter 22, verse 6 says, bring up a child by teaching him the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not turn from it. Some of you, the reason your children will not be Christians is not because they didn't come to church every Sunday. It's because you didn't plant into them. You must live out the principles you want in your children, and they have to see you model them. You can't just bring them to something. You must model it. You must invest in yourself, invest prayer time in yourself that will invest into your children that will turn out Christians that you're looking for. But you've got to invest into them. Train up a child. Most people, the reason they don't have relationships is because of time spent. Some of you, your parents didn't have two nickels, but they were amazing parents. Why? Because they were always there. People make fun. They're like, no, women shouldn't be at home. I was like, I thank God for moms who are at home. I really do. That's a tough job. But you know what? They put out some really well-balanced kids, kids who know how to cook. Like, you know, some kids, they stare at the kitchen like it's a miracle that something happens. They're like, I don't even know how it comes out of there. 
They're investing their time. Uh, when I was an intern, about 18 years old, at the church, I went to Disney with one of my good friends, and he was an intern as well. We're just messing around. We're in this line for this roller coaster, and these two British teenagers are behind us, and their family's there, and the two teenagers are standing like this, and the parents are trying to talk to them, and they're like, no, you know, no thanks. I'm not really interested, whatever. And so what happens is, like, I overhear this, and I'm like, I'm nosy as I'll get out. I'm like, I just want to be friends. And so I'm like, hey, man, where are you from? And I can't do it, British accent. He's like, oh, you know, I'm from, you know, Great Britain and blah, blah, blah. I was like, well, why aren't you having fun? He doesn't say anything. I was like, well, let's get you a girlfriend. That's the first thing that comes to my head. So I start polling the audience of the people in line. I was like, would you like to date him? And he's just kind of like, uh, you know. And we get on the ride. We get off, and the dad pulls me aside. And he's like, look. He's like, I'll give you $500 if you'll come back tomorrow and hang out with my kids. He's like, I haven't seen my kids smile like that in years. So what do I do? I come back tomorrow. <laughs> Me and my buddy, we both get $500. Here's the deal. That dad gave us his credit card. We're running around Disney. The dad wanted to be in my position, but he didn't have the relational equity. He had all the money in the world. Resource wasn't a problem. He forget why he was making all that money. You can build your kids a huge house with all the things, and all they want is time with you. Money's not evil. You just got to know how to use it. Invest in your family. The third thing is this. Invest in community, in church community. Invest in hanging out with one another. You know, we put up our church sign the other day for the Green River property. If you haven't passed it, you'll see it out there. And uh, a couple in our church passes it, and he texts me. His name's Kurt, and he texts me. He's like, hey, uh, we're not on the church sign. He's like, we have the longest-running small group in the entire church, and we're not on the sign. I'm like, okay, I'll put you on the side of the building. I don't know. <laughs> I'm like, but you know what they do have? They have a community of people that I'm jealous of because I don't have that in my own life. They've got couples, man, like I watch them on Facebook. They're at, a, they're at a lake. They're in Florida together, and it's just all church. I know all of them, but they formed a community, and they're going all over the place, and they're living life together. And I'm going, man, I wish I had that. You know what? The concept is what every one of us like and want, but you have to invest in it. You have to purpose to do it. You know how cool it would be to be able to call nine other couples who love your kids already, who are already invested in your kids? You trust them. You love them. You know, for us older folks, okay, at 42 and up, maybe 35 and up, this is not a new concept to us. We didn't grow up in the digital age. We grew up in a community. You ran outside. Like, tell your kid to run outside. See if it doesn't freak him out. What do I do now, Dad? I'll go find a friend. There ain't nobody out here. They're in the house. You had to go there. When I was growing up, I would just walk into other people's houses. We knew everybody. We went to school with them. We didn't have Facebook. You had face contact. It was crazy. We lived in a community. I lived in a place where even my neighbors were allowed to spank me if I did something wrong. 
Why? Because that was a community, and it nurtured me. It fostered who I was. They didn't have to worry. Like, our whole neighborhood's kids' population could be gone. And the answer was, they're together. They're okay. Now you can't even let your kid across the street because you don't trust anybody. Get in community. You don't even know your own neighbor. Get in community. Go out in the foyer today and introduce yourself to somebody. Hi, my name is blank. Would you like to be friends? You're like, it can't be that easy. It absolutely is. It's all about community. Build a community. This is what happened in the Bible. God didn't intend for us to live in isolation. Ryan, if you'll come join me. He specifically designed us to crave and thrive in relationship with one another. You know, back in Hebrews chapter 10, it says it this way. and says, let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds not give up meeting together as some of you are in the habit of doing. You've got out of the habit of meeting together because the Bible is very clear that it wants you to do that. But encourage one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. Why? Because that is the way you grow your church, your family, your kids. You're like, I don't have any Christian friends. They don't have good influences. I'm worried about them. Why? because you're not in community. If you're in community, every one of us, okay, like, I don't know, like, what happened, where it happened, but somehow, like, we all had a friend that we strolled the street with. Even the weird children met other weird, weird children. I'm like, yeah, they, they hang out over there. They're weird. We love them. No, they have their friends. We have ours. And we got out of the habit of being in community, and then all of a sudden, people feel lost and alone. And this older generation that's so used to being in community had a, one of our sweet women in our church who just lost her husband to COVID. I just talked to her on the way in, and she's like, I was like, how are you doing? She's like, I'm lonely. Why? Because she lived in community her whole life. And she just needs somebody to come around and go, you know what? You're not alone. We still got your back. That's what it's about, living in community. Invest in it so that you're not alone when you're older. So that you're not scared. You've got it figured out. Will you bow your heads and close your eyes with me all across this place? Heavenly Father, I pray for every person in this room. God, I pray that we take this message to heart. First, that we invest financially in ourselves for our future, that we start saving today for tomorrow, that we invest in ourselves, Lord, but also that we invest in our family, our relationships with our wife and our husbands and our children. Unclutter the busyness, God. Help us invest well in our families, Lord, and to invest in our church community, to be in community with one another, to love, support, carry one another's burdens so that they don't feel alone, so that they don't feel discouraged. So we are able to celebrate life together and life change. God, I pray that you be with every one of us 
bless us and surround us. I pray and ask all these things in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. I want to give you two quick things real quick. Tonight, if you're a guy, we're talking about community, getting into community. Come join us at basketball tonight, 7 p.m., the Dream Center. We're also playing golf. I'm terrible at golf. I just go to hang out with you. Next Saturday, Quail Crossing, 8.30. Sign up to do that. If you're here for the first time, God bless you guys. We'll see you next week. Enjoy the rest of your weekend.